In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good morning. Assalamu alaikum and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Saturday morning live with myself, Kayum. And joining me today is a familiar voice, Imam Usman. But good morning, assalamu alaikum, peace be on you, brother. Good morning. <coughs> See that? Good, good morning. Proper That's morning for me. May the peace be on you all and to all of our viewers. How are you, Kayum? All praise belongs to Allah. Always good. How come you sound more fresh than me? <laughs> It's my age, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what, that's why I asked. Because it's called being positive. Positivity. <laughs> yeah, no, no, positive as well. Positivity. Very positive. And uh, you know, I don't know. I it, I just think it works. Being positive. Yeah, it works. I'm I'm old. You you you're young. I'm old. Been through it. When I was your age, it was like, you know, you go through you go through certain things in life. Um, and then you learn from your mistakes and you learn from what other, other people tell you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, when what was it? I was 39 when I had a heart attack. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember my dad's older brother, my uncle came, he visited me and I was surprised to see him. And he looked at me and he goes to me, what in God's name is wrong with you? He goes, you're only 39. Mm-hmm. He goes, don't take on the stresses of the world. Don't take on other people's problems. He goes, that's what your problem is. He says, just just focus on yourself. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, listen. He goes, do your prayers. Yeah. He goes, read the Holy Quran. He says, pay your financial dues to God. Yeah. And he says, walk. He says, you do these four things. He says, you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, and while he was walking away, and he goes, oh, I forgot one thing. I said, what? He goes, always smile. Yeah. Uh, and and I followed that since for the past what fourteen years. I'm fifty three, and I tell you, still smiling. It works. It really works because we create our own problems. We create our own stresses. We create our own anxieties. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling the words as they are as diagnosed as illnesses and and challenges for people. But we enhance them with our own mindset because, understandably, it's, it's a discussion I was having with my parents this morning. Uh, today's generations have got that many more pressures thrown at them from peers, from social media, from work, uh, from their social network, from their work network, from what is the right and the wrong. There, there's so many different avenues where they're being thrown pressures from. Whereas in my days, um, it was either parents um, or within the community or it was peer groups but there was no and, and they were never that far away from each other you know yeah. there was always something that kind of there was a common link between the, the whereas today there is no links today the pressures are coming from so many different avenues and they are all saying completely different things which human nature is that you'd start you, you tend to start questioning ooh Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Uh, and that's where I, I think pressures lie. But, you know, they, they say smiling is, is, is something. It's yesterday. I think it was yesterday's uh, breakfast show I was listening to. And, and uh, uh, I think one of the imams said, you know, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. One thing he was always was doing. He could see always smiled. Always. Why not? Yeah, no, no, of course. Th- that is, it's reason enough to think, well, 
if one was to know the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, you know, away from prophethood, if you look at his life as he was as a man, as a human, as a child, born as an orphan, going through different challenges, losing all his relatives, um, you know, having to go through wars, being persecuted. You know, if you look at it just as a human being, normal human being, you think, why is he smiling all the time? <laughs> so, and then you kind of, if you if you transfer those similar challenges into today, and then, but you look at, well, he had no provisions and facilities and and uh, to, to, to be able to deal with those challenges he had. So, the only provision and the only the only place he could go to was God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, let's imagine same here. Let's get rid of all the provisions we have and just go to God Almighty for it. We will find that it works. Yeah, it works. You know, it's it's. Um, you're absolutely right. I think it's uh, perspective. Yeah. What lens you look at a particular thing at uh, through rather is it half the cup half full half empty yep um but I, what you just said now it reminds me of an experience so when we graduated from our kind of the institute of, institute of theology, of theology yeah. and languages we got sent to different parts of the world as part of our training and <clears throat> i was fortunate enough i got i got sent to liberia before the wow um before the ebola crisis and that's exactly what, like when you go from, for example, I was born and raised in the UK. I had no concept of what it might be like. I don't see you here, like what it might be like in Africa. I had no idea. And then I remember we got, we got there in the evening time. There were no street lights. Like, you know, here, like we're so used to yeah. a certain setup, and certain luxuries. We got there, there was no street lights. Um, even the house that we entered, we didn't know what it would look like. We just got followed someone in the house and then when we woke up in the morning like you wake up to see where you are and it hits you um that wow okay this is where i am and this is reality for these guys even though i know i'm here temporarily but then that whole experience of then we got taken to a village and you're right we got stripped away of everything mm. uh, and at that time it really like when it's pin drop silence and you don't have a phone and there's no electricity there's no running water. You can hear like everything around you in terms yeah. of insects and That's whatnot. Right. Yeah. You really start self-reflecting and thinking, oh, wow, what's really important? Let me ask you a question. When you went, yeah. in hindsight, looking back now, yeah. if I'd said to you, I would have, if you had taken, say, £100,000 with them, where you were, would it have made a difference? No. no and know. that's the point. Mm. I mean, it would have it would have made an instant difference. Yes, but not a long term difference. No, but 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 that's such a stark hmm. thought process that money wouldn't have really helped in the environment that you were in. No, but this is what I'm saying that because I was there for two months, and it took me about a few days to get used to, and then I realised that wow, this is this is the most kind of content I've been in a while. And people were happy around you? Very happy. Look, for them, that was normal. Yeah. That became normal for me. Mm. It was like, for example, I'll give you an example. Like, there's no running water, no electricity, no proper housing, no roofs. Um, Where we were living, one of the members um, sacrificed his land 
to the community and they said I want to establish a community in this area uh, so then we went there uh, as imams to kind of help him and support him um, so his house then became like the center mm. so that's we were waking up every day praying five times a day in, in his center and then just visiting the neighbors and then pe- it, what people would hear like in Africa if you're not African you're known as Mr. White Man yeah so people had heard that, oh, there's two like white men here. Oh, let's go like here because we've never seen one before. Mm-hmm. So they'll come and they'll see us like mingling with the locals. Mm-hmm. And for them, that's a shock. They're thinking, well, what's this? Like, who's this? And they, just because of that, they just want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. What's your message? What, what are you doing? So we were fortunate enough to establish a community there. But it was just an element of... You know, the ease of right now, for example, if I want to message you, I can message you on WhatsApp, call you, no problem. There's no hardship in it no, at all. Whereas there, if you want to talk to someone, you make an effort and go talk to them. But look, see, look look how you described it. Hardship. Yeah. Is it hardship to go up, walk up to someone? Well, That's I'll, normality. I'll give you an example. <laughs> like today, today I called you at half nine. That's right. Thinking, well, he's not going to do the show together. Yes. If I didn't have a phone, then I would have to put, go through hardship. Yes. To find out if you're coming or not. But it's no hardship. It's walk or... <laughs> yeah, it, walk a mile. No, <laughs> no, no, no but, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of it's course. To, the fact that one has to maybe walk up to someone and to actually have a conversation is deemed... The not, point, the I wouldn't point, say yeah. hardship, but... Inconvenient. The point, the point I'm getting to is when you live, when you solely rely on God. God, yeah. That's what we were doing. Then. Yes. Because it wasn't now like I can rely on my phone to call you yeah. a minute before to find No, no, I understand. I understand. Then it's yeah. like your your uh, practice of faith, it just enhances because you're relying on it so much more. Um, where it's like, okay, I don't need another. Like, that's the only time in my life I've never, well, now as well, since I have a little one, but you, where I'd never needed an alarm clock to wake up. Mm. You just your body just your body wakes up, yeah. And it's like um, when you're praying again, it's very humbling here. Like we have very nice soft carpets. Yeah. There it was just hard floor. They put this like mat on it, which you might as well not. But it humbles you every time you wake up for prayer. Every time you have to go to the water. like we weren't allowed to. Not we weren't allowed. We had to ration our water mm. because the guy that sells water comes in town like once a week. Mm. So we would buy like a bulk for the week. And that was our drinking water, <clears throat> that was our cleaning water, that was our toilet water, that was everything. Mm. So I remember we we had to make some t- I had to make some tough choices because there was two of us. We said, "Listen, the best way to do this is you take your half, I'll take my half. Mm. You use your water how you want." I had to really think sometimes. Get this water. Okay, am I going to drink it today, or am I going to use it to clean something, or for for washroom basis? Mm. And I remember one particular time I'd run out, and I really had to go to the toilet during the night. And I couldn't. Uh, we had to then wake up in the morning. There was a nearby well. When all water was finished, there was a nearby well that we had to go to and we can tell it. So it was the most <clears throat> humbling, but also I would say one of my best experiences that I've been through because you're right, the, someone might go through that and think, oh, this is this is so long. Mm. But actually, if you look at it from the lens of, oh, this is the half, the cup is half full, it was the most humbling and uh, you can say, Plus, I think one of the beneficial experiences. I, I I agree with you. I think it's it's good. It's fantastic. I I think I am not saying that it's not good to have the provisions and the luxuries. Effectively, that's what they are. Yeah. I'm just saying 
we've got to a point in our lives within the world that we live in, the bubble. Yeah. We always talk about other people's bubbles. We never realize we live in a bubble ourselves in the West, in modern developed world. We don't appreciate what we have. We always worry and moan and 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 uh, and desire and aspire for things we haven't got. We spend so much time on, oh, I haven't got this. Well, have a look at what you do have. If you appreciate what you do have, I can assure you, and then you look around the world and you think, man, I'm better off than so many people. Mm-hmm. And you will question yourself thinking, do I really need what I am working towards or what I am um, always moaning about? What tends to happen is you have so many good things in life, you don't use them. I would understand if you use them and then you've made full use of them and then you think, you know what, I want to progress. But you don't use them. You don't even sometimes even realize you have something that you're actually aspiring for. You think, oh my God, I actually have it. Because there is so much available to us, so much provision that we waste. Okay, hey, let me ask you a question. What would you say to someone who, let's say, wasn't blessed with provision money, money or yeah. like wasn't blessed in a way that I, I'm not saying he wasn't blessed because everyone's blessed yeah. but I'm saying he wasn't his fortune wasn't didn't allow him to get let's say the car that he wanted or the mm. house that he wanted or he buy the food that he wants really wants to eat but he has all like like you said like you someone who has it tells him that listen look at the things that you do have it's important mm. how do you find the right balance nine times out of ten the person who doesn't have who thinks that the one who's telling him he has better mm. is actually having the same thing. It's an assumption because they have never actually asked the other person, what is it that you have? What people do is, you see, they look at what people drive and they look at what you live in. And then everything else is an assumption. Everything else is based on, well, if he drives that and he lives in there, oh, he must have he must have not. Well, maybe. Hold on. Hmm, what's going on here? Maybe he's making a mistake. Maybe he is up to his eyes in debt. None of that comes. You just think most of the things people when they make comparisons, they're based on assumptions. It's sometimes good to just ask. What What is it that you have that's so different from me? And you'd be surprised. You will be surprised that. And I and I'll, and I'll give you an, an example of me myself. I I in 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 my other life, I worked with clients who were the one percenters, and I always used to think they must have this awesome life because of the house they live in and the cars they drive, and and then I saw what they ate, and then I saw how they spend their money, and I thought to myself, wow. Maybe it's because they can afford it, that they don't desire it. But whatever they have, they do, they, they spend, they buy quality. Mm-hmm. But then they use it. They don't just go and buy something that comes out next month. So I had a client who had a, 
At that time, it was an iPhone 5. Um, and then iPhone 10 came out. And they still had the iPhone 5. <laughs> and they said, well, iPhone 5 does what I want. I looked at what I need, and this does it. I don't need to have 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm. Whereas Joe Public out there, they are told 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 is a must. Mm. Even though number 6 and number 10 do exactly in fact, number 10 probably does less than what number 6 did. Based on... Marketing is done on assumptions and, and, and telling you that, look, if you don't buy this, you, you will fall back in the rat race. Full mind. And that's where the problem lies, where people don't think for themselves. My generation did... Again, it goes back to what we started earlier. You, the pressures on your generation are a lot more. A lot more things are being thrown at you from all angles, comparative to mine. However, however, your generation is about, I want it now. My generation was taught by our fathers and our mothers, you got to work for it. We were shown, we were shown the hard work. We were shown the hard work and then we were made part of the reward. Today, they don't show you the hard work. Yeah, but that's not all our generation's fault. No, I'll no, I'm not saying it's fault. No, 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 no don't get me wrong. I'm not saying fault. I'll tell you what. You know, like, for example, your generation, my dad's generation. Hold on. Hold that yeah. thought for a second. The, 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 the topic of conversation <laughs> today in this discussion, which we will get to eventually, is parenting. And we would love to hear from you. It's 0208 We are going to be talking about parenting um, in, uh, you know... Um, for, for the next hour or so at least um, so I would love to know um, what your uh, perspective is on parenting the pressures the challenges um, the 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 trials and tribulations that are coming with parenthood um, and of course I'm sure you will realise now we are of different generations Imam Usman but is a young man and I'm a dinosaur so our perspectives will be a bit different um, but I think they will end up um, kind of at the same point um, but it will be, you know, different routes, but the, the destination we get to will be same. So it will be good to hear from you. 0208-687-7878. Sorry, yes. I was saying that <clears throat> you just mentioned that your generation mm. learned from your kind of fathers yeah. and it was hard work. And I feel that... No, not the hard work that it was for us to look at them. We saw them doing the work. We saw what what sacrifices they were making. That's fine. And then that made you do it? Well, it, it made us realize that it wasn't... Whatever they were putting on our plate wasn't just a click of fingers. There, mm. was, there, was, a, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears yeah. that got, got us the quality that we have. I feel with our generation, mm. one of the problems lies in that where our parents feel... And it's not a bad thing to feel. Exactly. It's not, don't like, get me wrong. It's, like every not, parents, it's not a criticism. Every, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's just natural that every parent would want their children to have a better life than them. Without but a doubt. Within that lies the problem. Yeah. Because it's where you're um, saying, okay, I'm going to work very hard. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> working very hard means I've seen my dad work sometimes two, three jobs, mm. not seeing him. Yep. There's no WhatsApp in those days. Yep. I don't get to FaceTime him. Yep. I only see him particular hours maybe in the week mm -hmm. um, yet 
I know that it's not a matter of did he love me because he's providing. That's the expression of his love. Yeah. Okay, this is what he did and we're okay. I want to make sure that I also work hard but I'll make sure that my son doesn't have to work hard. Yes. And and that's where the problem lies. Yeah. I am not saying it's a problem or it's the fault of a generation. I am saying that's the effect parental parental uh, um, uh, parental perspectives yeah. is what caused this. Whereas the, the the basics of parenthood have actually not changed. Yeah. The add-ons, the innovations from customs, cultures, traditions, which have been added on, and pressures from different yeah. places, added on to the basics of parenting and, and the aspirations that you have. Look, I'm of an age, my children are your age. And it's like, of course, your father was right in thinking similar to me. I don't want my children to face the challenges that I had. So I want to be able to provide for them a life in which their challenges not will, will, will not, that they won't have to go through the same challenges, but it will be less pressure. Yeah. That's, that is parenting. That, that's being a good parent to a degree, to a degree, because we as parents forget that provisions will only take so far. Yeah. Provisions don't determine what kind of human being you're going to become. And there needs to be a balance of morals, ethics, values, moral training with the provisions. And sometimes or some, sometimes what happens is moral training and education tends to suffer and provision takes over. You know, I've seen what you said is so right. The balance, to get the right balance is so key because I've seen both examples of where the parents with this intention that we want our kids to have a better life, we yeah. don't want them to go through what we went through. Mm. They work so hard and then they almost spoil the kids yes. because the kids get everything on the plate. And exactly. then, then it is that generation. Then yeah. you think that, okay, well, I, I need it now. Yep. And I, and I, because I've been getting it, I deserve it. Yep. But I've also seen the other kind of side of it where parents do have that intention that I want to work hard, make sure I can provide for my children a life that I didn't have. But I need to train him as well. But what they don't realize is the kid knows this. Exactly. And, and so the yeah. kid, so the ki- I've seen examples where children have come to me and said, look, speak to my dad. I need money. He's not giving it to me. And yeah. I know he's got it and he's yeah. got it for me and he's done it for me. Mm. So it's like the balance is so key. And I think more than anything, sometimes I think over, for example, I just had a daughter, what I want to pass on to her. Mm. It's not really wealth, no. to be honest. No. It's more so like, for example, if I even if I think about my dad, like when they came to this country, worked two, three jobs, had to go through struggles, um, language was an issue, racism was an issue. Like there were so many issues. So automatically, me even being, so let's say, a poor person living in today's world, I'm facing less than half of the challenges that he was facing automatically. And another problem I tend to find, I mean, the example you gave is perfect because I'm of your father's generation and your mm. father shielded you from all the challenges and all the, mm. the racism and all the challenges mm. that he suffered. He, he he shielded you. And I think sometimes people of my generation did too much shielding. Mm. Because it's good to bring your children up in the real world. Yeah? Um, so they see that, hold on, like racism, 
I sometimes talk to my kids and they think, ah, what are you talking about? I don't think racism now is worse than when I was. In my in my days, it was in my face. Yeah. Yeah? It was a thug. There was a certain type of racist and he was on your face telling you that they are racist. Proud of mm. it. Today, racism has become political. It's become Subtle. intelligent. It's become, um, it's, 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 in, it's institutional. Yeah. It's far greater. And you need to be able to recognize it. And people don't because they have been shielded from it for so long. And they kept getting told, no, no, there is no racism. There is no racism. That's a thing of the past. Whereas if one was to look around the world politics today, you know, racism is normal. Bigotry is normal. You know, it, it and, and, and sometimes it becomes a challenge to, and it's a worry. For parents of my age, it's a worry thinking my kids can't recognize racism. I do. How do I keep them safe from it? I actually saw a study once of um, they showed adults cartoons of their time. Yeah. And when they watched it back in adulthood, they were shocked. Yeah. They said, wow, this is racist. <laughs> or like this is the message this is giving off is so wrong. But yeah. when I was a child, I never realized. Yeah. And may, so maybe it is that when you mature <clears throat> or you go through different experiences... You see, recently somebody things. said to me something and they said, there's a certain type of white mindset in our days. Yeah. Racism mostly came from a certain segment of white people. Mm. Today, I can sit here and say to you, white people don't have a monopoly on racism. Mm. This notion that people think only white people are racist. No, it's not. Nothing to do with it. And the, the term racism has expanded. The horizons of the word are so broad now. Interracialism and racism um, and, and racism of religion. Um, you know, whereas racism used to be just about the color of your skin. Yeah. Now it's about the how heavy your pocket is. It's about where you come from. It's even about what region you're from. It's about your faith. It's about your culture. It's about traditions, even about what name you have. It's, it's expanded. Yeah. We can sit here and say, well, that's not racism. That's another debate. But that's how, in the society we live in, that's the term racism is, is defined as. Yeah. And we need to recognize that. And, I, and this is where, again, we'll come to it later on as well. We have put a, a, a time stamp on parenting. We think, yeah. oh... My kids have finished education and now they're ready for marriage and they're because they're old enough to get married now. So my parenting responsibility has ceased to exist. Yeah. And I think there's, that's where the problem is. I mean, before the show, I was giving you an example. I was sitting with my parents. My parents are in their late 80s. Dad's nearly 90. And even today, you know, it's like mum's going to say, did you do your prayers? Mm. Oh, I didn't hear you recite the Holy Quran. Whereas if the same thing was to be said of to, to, to a young 20-year-old uh, son or daughter, have you done your prayers? It's like, come on, Dad. Mm. Of course I did. Like, there's, there's that element of uh, irritation. Why are you asking me? Yeah. Parenting, a parent will always be a parent irrespective of what age you become. Yeah. It, and, and parenting responsibilities doesn't have a timestamp. It will be there 
till the day they cease to exist as a parent, that is, when they pass on to the next life. My, my parents, you remind me, before I became a parent, mm. every time <clears throat> I would go to my mum's and we'll stay there for a few nights, my mum and dad got this like old school like habit of just 10 o'clock, we're off to bed. Like, yeah. We don't care if we're tired that, or not. Why is that old school? We're off to bed. That's not old school. So it's like, um, That's discipline. <laughs> so so what, what would happen is they'll go off to bed. Yeah. Me, my sister, my missus, we yeah. were just sitting downstairs and like, as soon as it like at eleven o'clock, yeah. my mum will give us a shout. Huh. Okay, it's eleven o'clock, it's guys. Eleven o'clock, guys. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like, yeah, mum, you go sleep. No, yeah. no, no, no. At like twelve o'clock again, if like she would then come downstairs. Mm. Why are you lot not asleep? I'm like, well, we're like I'm thirty something now. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it changed. I tell you where this whole changed. So now we were blessed with a daughter. She's huh. five months. We were staying at my parents for about a week, and the little one wasn't well. She didn't say a word because he knows now because the little one's not sleeping. Yeah. So she, instead of like sleeping at 10 yeah. and telling us at 11 to go sleep, she'll come and I says, How, how's the little one? Yeah. But even then, I would, it would make me laugh because it was um, during the day, super mum, she would help out everywhere. 10 o'clock, okay, guys, <laughs> I'm off. All right, mum, go. One of the reasons why we're talking about parenting is because I was reading this article and and I was a bit baffled. Um, and in fact, it was, I think it was Sister's Corner. And, uh, no, it was Faith in Focus. Um, our, uh, the Amli Muslim, uh, the, the, our, our sisters in Voice of Islam, they, they, they made this program where they talked about loneliness and postnatal depression and, and how um, women are losing their lives in this day and age um, um, because, because of uh, uh, childbirth and, and after childbirth, they're going into depression. And, and there's so many different challenges and trials and tribulations. <laughs> That I was shocked to hear. And then I realized, hold on, where's the support mechanism gone? In in our days, the support mechanism was automatic. And again, it goes back to parenting that parents were from both sides were automatically part and parcel of the, the birth of a child. Not just in, oh, congratulations, here's the gifts. No, they were there. They were present. Uh, they were there to advise. They were there to um, to to become, um, to provide respite. Yes? Yeah. They, they, they were there in so many different um, uh, aspects of the birth of a child that, you know, being a first child, you don't know. There's no manual that you know what mm-hmm. to do. So the advice is welcoming. And of course, you nowadays, you have videos, you have social media, you have books that t- tells you how to be a parent. Yeah. And you read up all these, all these things. But then I thought to myself, in today's day and age, that's, that's going to miss. Now it's like the, the network that's supposed to be there isn't welcome because it's old school. Because they've been told, oh, don't listen to old school. Because they don't look at it as advisory. They look upon it as, oh, they're telling you what to do. So that automatically creates a barrier because of interpretations of what the actions are. Or I already know what to do. I I don't need you. And what happens is the person who, the parent themselves, end up 
being in a, in a position where they are left in a position where nobody actually recognizes because they've pushed either they've pushed people away or the, or the 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 uh, the pressures they have around them with their peers and and in society and social media who keeps telling them make sure you don't let them in because they will just come and take over mm. and they end up harming themselves and and sometimes i think that's not the per- that's not the fault of the person but it's the fault of the parent who has listened to their child pushing him away not realizing maybe there's a miss there something yeah you should have been able to recognize that your child is going through something going through something mm. there you go the thing is it's um so I, yeah, like i said i recently was blessed with a daughter 5 months ago and at the same time i have a couple of other friends who were in and around uh, had a child at the same time and we all shared the same our, like our first sentiment was the same mm. that wow like experiencing labor seeing what your wife goes through the yeah. 9 months pregnancy the whole kind of late childbirth yeah the first thought that we all shared was wow like our appreciation for our mothers yes it was just inst- like no one told us it it just it was in our heart that wow i can't believe what our mother must have went through and like we're doing it in the 2023 like what 1990 i don't know what like obviously it's still it was probably somewhat good but wasn't as good as it is now so that's like this the natural thing i would assume i just assumed all people would go i like, have that feeling that when you go through it yourself you you have an appreciation for your parents mm. the inst- the instant one then you're right i feel like parents as well like now again it depends what perspective you look at it from so for example our when times are good you're right like i think sometimes it's like well this is my child and i exactly. want to do it but ownership when, when when times are bad like for example this last week our little one was unwell she was in hospital for a week we got our parents that kind of support was necessary yeah. like it's uh um, priceless priceless absolutely without it it's like your whole i mean life already just goes on hold because of all this but then to have that support it, it's um like you said it there's no it's priceless and it's um i can't ever imagine saying no no i don't need that mm. or i don't want it um so it's yeah it's one of those things i think with parents that's why in islam there's that prayer that oh god have mercy on my parents as they had mercy on me when i was uh young i think that's such a beautiful yeah. prayer but nobody follows yeah but it's n- in in real terms yeah you see i agree with what you said and that's why i say it's priceless because i sometimes think i do blame i i i don't blame i think it's wrong for me to use that word i think parents have a responsibility which they sometimes uh, misread situations but then they're the parents they're the elder they should know better but i think sometimes kids show disrespect from not their perspective you see if you're going to respect someone especially from a parent point of view you can't do it from your point of view you got to do it from their point of view because they will not recognize your idea of respect the way you deliver it the way you speak to them they will only ever recognize it the way they want to see it the way people speak you're a, you're a young imam you work within the community you work with youth 
the way people speak sometimes. Yeah. Do, do, do you know if you if if you think it, you would I'm sure advise them to make sure you don't talk like that to your parents. Mm. Not that they're doing anything wrong, but it's just the way they speak makes a huge difference. Do you feel that? Uh, and sometimes I'm because I'm just again reflecting on myself because I wasn't. I wasn't fortunate enough to be raised amongst grandparents, mm. so I never had that luxury. Like my one parent, grandparents were in Pakistan, the other set were in Canada. Okay, so I never had that kind of grandparent. I mean, of course, they'll call us and stuff. It wasn't the same though. Mm. Um, and I always think that the first thing I said to, like, when we had a daughter, I was like, I, I want to make sure that her grandparents are fully involved in her life mm. uh, because I never had that luxury. And yeah. My wife did, mm. and I see the benefits in it. So maybe that's a, as a parent then makes me more, you can say, what's the correct term? More kind of um, wanting for our parents to be involved. Because you've seen the benefit of it. Of, of grandparents. Yeah. yeah. But the flip side, I agree with you. The problem is that grandparents are going to be either a lot more easier than yeah. your parents yeah. or they're going to be twice as hard as your parents. Not because they want to, because that's that's the age they are. They will be who they are, what age they are. Mm. They will they will not um they will know things which they used when they went through similar times. Yeah. And as a younger generation, you need to be flexible and open-minded enough to understand that. That they might come across as harsh, but the intention isn't harsh. That's how, that's all they know. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yep. You have to have that open-mindedness. So that's where problem lies because when it comes to these relations, when it comes to relationships, people are not open-minded. They're open-minded with friends. They're open-minded with anybody outside of the house. They will apply rules of flexibility to people outside of the house that they wouldn't even think about applying within the household. I have actually seen this and I, I always find it I, I feel sorry for people who do that because eventually they're the ones who lose. And I always say to people, I, I'm happy you said that you wanted uh, grand, grandparents involved because I think don't shed tears once your grandparents are gone because it's too late. If you didn't know, mm. fine, because they were in a different country. But when you don't appreciate your grandparents when they are here, yeah. And you don't appreciate them based on just a thought process mm. because you weren't open enough to appreciate the advice that they would give. The stories they could tell you, the stories they could tell you about the second caliph, the third caliph or the time they spent in, um, in, in, the, you know, in the company of, of some of the companions of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, the founder yeah. of the Amdi Muslim community and all the caliphs of the Promised Messiah you will miss all of that and the, because you will get to an age where you think i had the opportunity yeah and i and i missed it and one thing 
today's parents always forget that they're going to get old too. Yeah. And their kids are seeing what kind of a parent you are or what kind of a child you are to their grandparents. Yep. And there will come a time when those kids will say to you, well, hold on. You can't say that to me. I know because you said the total opposite to your parents. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it, it's That's how society works. That's not a, a lot of people think that's a cultural phenomenon. It's not. That's across the board in all societies around the world where kids will be, kids will be, they will become a product of the environment that you provide them as a parent. And kids will copy and see what you do and then copy it. They will listen less but do more what they see you do. I always thought that with grandparents it was... Um they get the best part of being a parent. Yes. The second time round. They do. Because like, they don't have any of the responsibilities. Yep. They don't have to worry about waking up during the night or bathing or this and that. But but they're willing to. They're willing to. Of course they are. They're willing to. And I think, because um, uh, I noticed it as well, Like they, they give you space. Yes. Okay, okay you, you do it how you, you feel it's best. But uh, yeah, give it to me. <laughs> I'll look after it. You go sleep or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That stuff. And I think you're right in that sense that whatever your child observes, because I feel we... As the as years go on, I feel that a lot of children now are exposed to things that maybe adults were once exposed to. That's right. Yes. So before maybe you had to go to uni to experience or see certain things. Now you might experience that in year seven or eight because of the fact that social media, phones, parents, everyone has their own perspective of what mm. how what they feel their children should know. Mm. So children at a very young age are thinking a lot more. Especially when it comes to, oh, is this right? Is this wrong? Or let me observe. We always say you've heard that term, children like sponges. They yes. absorb everything. Yeah. So you're right. In this particular scenario, however you are with your parents, your children will observe. That's right. And it will have somewhat of an effect on their attitude towards you because they feel that, okay, that's... Because what's the first thing we say when like, we introduce our grandparents? Oh, this is my dad. That's right. Like, I'm your dad. This is my dad. My dad. So yes. it's like, okay, <laughs> okay. If you're talking to your dad in that manner... Mm. If there's no respect there, then how do you not even Cholo, initially if your child sees that you're not you're speaking a certain way to your granddad, uh, so to to her her granddad, then she's gonna talk the same way or That's he's right. gonna talk the same way. So you're right. I think uh, this the way I see it is look, Islam puts onus on us in terms of everyone is answerable for their actions. Yes. So regardless if you But you're, but we're so bothered and we live our lives based on being bothered or pointing fingers at how the other is living. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is this, like even we've mentioned it during the show that, you know, like, okay, grandparents, they get to a certain age where that's them. Like, mm. it, that's fine. But I feel like if everyone, regardless of their age or position or role in the family, lives by that one kind of God consciousness, taqwa, what we call yes. righteousness, righteousness. That actually, we're all going to be answerable for our own actions and deeds and our responsibilities and I need to know what my responsibilities are mm. uh, and like you said like small things like smiling yes they can make the world a difference when it comes to building relationships and creating harmony and peace within a home mm. um, whereas like you know sometimes like if there's if there's if the home environment is uneasy or it's on edge then like, it's like the smallest thing oh he she didn't look at me properly 
oh, my mother-in-law didn't look at me properly, or my mum did. You know, it's like these small things can then become issues, which actually they're non-issues. Hmm. And you only realise what an issue is when a child actually goes through some sort of suffering. And I, and I, re- I was talking to my missus about this the other day. I said, I said, God works in wonderful ways. We're, like, for example, when we were praying for progeny, at the time, we never, you don't think okay, the the child that you were praying for could become ill, could go through different trials and tribulations. At that time, that's not on your mind. You're just no. praying for progeny. That's God, it. please give me progeny. Give me pure progeny. It's the prayer in the Quran as well. And then God gives it to you. Yep. And you're on top of the world. Yep. Then I was like, all of a sudden, that progeny is now sick. Mm. And we're in hospital for a week. And uh, it's nothing that no one's done. It's just we've got no control over it. No. So now I'm bowing down to that same God. Mm-hmm. God, you gave me this progeny. But um, she's sick now. Mm. Uh, so I need you now again. Yeah, but then, uh, but then the Holy Quran also yeah. talks about trials and tribulations. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yes. So <laughs> what, the point I was getting to was is that these trials and tribulations, again, this is, I guess, any advice to anyone. These trials and tribulations, rather than breaking us, they're there to make us. That's right. And they actually enable us to channel our energy and focus and prayers towards God. And always remember that when God gives you trials and tribulations, he provides you provisions to deal with those trials and tribulations. People never remember that. Yep. That, yes, he will give you trials and tribulations because, you know, that's normality of life. Mm. That's the whole point of a temporary life that we live. Our lives are going to be full of trials and tribulations. But we must, as human beings, uh, must also understand and recognize the provisions God gives us. It's not of our own making. God has given us. We need to identify them. We need to be able to recognize them. That, hold on, God has given me provision to deal with the trials and tribulations that he has put in front of me. He does both. But people get so soaked up into the trials and tribulations, they they, they forget to recognize the provisions that God has given them. So it goes hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. It goes hand in hand. And yes, I agree with you that um, they're supposed to make you stronger. But they will only be stronger if you recognize God in in the way God is supposed to be recognized. Yeah. In the manner God wants to be recognized, in the manner God says to recognize me, not, oh, I I think that uh, I have my own way of doing dealing with God. No. God has said he is God. He's told us to worship him in the in in a, in a certain manner. And he has said, well, in addition to worshiping me, you've got to. Uh, you you have to serve you have to serve mankind too. So there are two main attributes that he has talked spoken about, uh, and we need to fulfil those in the way he wants us, not in the way man thinks they should. But you, you know what it is, it's, and that's where the problem lies. It, but again, it's the same thing with and I'll connect it to parenting. As parents, His Holiness has said this many times as well that you have to befriend your children. Hundred percent. Um, and where you have this friendship relationship with them, obviously out of friendship and develops love, out of love develops fear of disappointment, fear in general. Yep. But 
there was a time, and I know there's a generation, that they never had that friendship with their parents. They loved their parents. They had... Um, Do you know why? Because they never invested time in them. No. You see, that's where I think mistake happens. Because of the age gap. Yeah, but I also... I'll, I'll give you an example. My father is 35, 30, nearly 36, 37 years older than me. That age gap will never... You can try. And plus, you've got to remember, there was a certain generation of parents who came from the subcontinent. Yeah. It's not their fault that they came from subcontinent. But when they came here, they already had challenges and they had to deal with, be it financial, be it cultural, be it religious, you name it, they faced it. Sometimes there was absence from families they had to face. Yeah. They never had the time. They couldn't afford the time to spend with their kids to develop their friendships. And in the olden days, people were getting married at a lot later age. Yeah. Now it's changed. I, I, you know, I was 21 when I got married. Young. In my, in my age group, most got married a lot later. A lot yeah. later. And the, the, the age gap between you and your child makes a huge difference. No, but what the point I was getting at was this, that <clears throat> your parents, for example, let's just say you, your, your dad's not been around. Nope. You don't have that daily conversation um, relationship with him where you can class, you know what, he's my friend, I can open up to him or anything. Yeah. You only see him from time to time and when he sees you, out of guilt, he might just say, look, take some money. You yeah. know? So your relationship with your dad is what you perceive it to be, really. No. Your dad will never say... I don't, don't. agree with that. But the point I was getting to was yeah. this, that when it comes to our relationship with God, that your relationship with God is what you perceive it to be. Yes. Yeah. Understand. In because it's of, based on the life you're living. Exactly. So the point, that's why I was trying to link it to the relationship with dad in the sense that if you see God as, some point, as something who's just going to punish us when we do something wrong and reward us when yes. we do something right then uh, in elements then your your practice in this world will be very limited yes because you're only seeing one side of god yes but if it's actually i understand that the essence the true essence of a reward is being in the presence of god and the true essence of a punishment is god not being present in my life and you live your life according to that and actually you said you know what no matter what god's given me in this world there's nothing dearer to me than God. So I have no control in sometimes what happens around me. I have control over my own actions and feelings. <clears throat> but in terms of what I'm going through, or I can only drive my own car if, I, if someone else c crashes into me. That's nothing in my control. So if I live conscious like that, then ultimately, we, like we hear mental health and all these words, I'll be okay, knowing that I've always put Allah first. You see, I, I, I agree with you. I think the stark difference between, I would say, from my generation is in our days, our parents had defined roles, who lived the defined roles. So dad was the working man who was there out there, mm. whereas the relationship that was being built with the community or with God was coming from the mother. Yeah. Mother was forever present. In my generation, I think the relationship, the friendship that was created between a child and a parent was with the mother less than the father because father was always working but the mother was always there who was developing your relationship with your father in his absence 
Yeah. She because that was her role as a mother to uh, to to give value to her relationship with her child and her status, but she also fulfilled that gap of the father being absent because he was at work. Which, which let's let's touch upon this. When let's we come touch back upon that. Norway, yeah, I know we're, we're we're coming up to to the hour. Uh, we're gonna go to the news, and when we come back, we're gonna carry on talking about parenting. We would love to hear from you. O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Kayum and uh, Imam Usman. But so do stay tuned and join us off news. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Kayum and uh, joining me today is Brother Usman. But and the topic of uh, the... I heard that tea. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't even say... That's, in, something came and smacked in, me in my in, ears. In, <laughs> in, in, in front of you, I can't even say it's my age. <laughs> Normally that's what I say. The oh, topic okay, of on. conversation is parenting. And uh, uh, me and <coughs> brother Sman are talking about the challenges um, and the generational differences. Um, not in conflict with each other but how p- different practices were used and different provisions and and different facilities and networks that were available um, and how um, intergenerational um, cohesion can actually enhance parenting but unfortunately um, it's becoming less and less common. Before we went on the break you mentioned a point and I just want to kind of touch on that and maybe mm-hmm. we can have a discussion is roles of parents. Yes. And they're so key. And, and the reason I say that is because obviously we're introduced to them first by what the Holy Quran says. Yeah. Islam says that man is the breadwinner and women is the... Um, oversees the well-being is, is, and the, the upbringing. The homemaker. homemaker. And and the definition of home here is not the definition of today. Yeah. It's very broad. And I actually... If, look, if you weigh up the two responsibilities... The homemaker is much more important. Yes, of course. And if you wait, and then like if you look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace may peace be on him, when he was asked that, who shall I love the most? The reason why he said mother three times. Hmm. He said mother three times before he said father. So there's no element of degrading that this responsibility is less than other one or this is more important than the other one. But actually, where you don't have this balance of roles, I've seen it as well. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Again, from an it's an Islamic question of based on what you've just said, that the role of mother and how the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave yeah. the top three tiers of 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 uh, respect and status to mother. Is that a given, or that needs to be earned from a mother's point of view? So this uh, this is what I'm saying that where the for example, if you by no means am I now saying that women can't pursue their dreams or women can't work. No, that's not the point of conversation at the moment. The point of conversation is where you want the perfect balance, mm. because this whole conversation, we've looked at either end of what what, what could happen, yeah. extreme or leniency. Yeah. <clears throat> and we've also understood that where you have the right balance, things work. Mm. In any argument, any discussion you have, any topic, it will ultimately come down to this, that where the right balance is met, things would work. So in this scenario, where you understand your roles and responsibilities, then that family lifestyle in terms of the upbringing of children, making sure that what you really pass on to them in, in terms of your identity, your religion, your concepts, your kind of morals, 
these are the real things that actually children will value in the next generation rather than wealth mm. because let's say the last thing you do before you die is give your child a million pounds there's no saying that million pound may only last a month two months a year i'm just saying in general no, no i agree with you but i, I the, agree with the you. moral I mean, training that you give your child yeah are things that will always last because when they are passing away they'll say yeah my dad told me this my mom 100%. told me this so what i'm True saying inheritance is, is 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 bringing up good children yeah, not so, the the million quid so when you back to your question is that is that earned or is that a given no it has to be and everything is earned yeah i mean these are things that we're told that if it's done with the right if you understand your responsibility and your intentions are right mm. then this is your due right mm. your child will love you the most mm. i mean it's so funny because like you know when you ask your child who do you love more mom or dad yeah. really they want to say mom yeah <laughs> yeah but just to keep the dad's heart like oh, i love you both but the reality is the what i'm saying is this that we came the whole discussion was parenting yeah and i've seen it as well that where if there's a need that's different yeah if there's a need and like in this country sometimes you need two there incomes there is a need, yeah, need. you need of two incomes to run a mortgage yeah of course yes yes um but even then look before what was our, my dad used to work two jobs yeah. it wasn't my mom was working and my dad was working hmm. my dad used to put himself through hardship so that my mom never had to because he understood the value of no I I need the mother to kind of be a full-time mother I need her to pick the kids up look after them feed them dress them because there's certain things when now both parents become career driven there are certain things you are depriving your children of and you don't realize it because you're putting your needs first and that's no harm in it what i'm saying no, is again, no 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 okay, you see but, i i i i i want to kind of interject there i agree with you 100% but i think once we say that yeah i think it's important to identify and to recognize that there is harm in it yeah that look in life in order to get something you have to give something up that's just a given that's not me saying it or you saying that's it or anybody yeah, that's, that's just the, the way life works equation, yeah. so when two people want to pursue a similar avenue something will have to give yep yeah so there is harm in it which is why islam has defined certain roles and and look a lot of people say well look, how about this example and how about that example islam doesn't work on individual cases yeah it's a general perspective from a societal point of view what works for uh, morally ethically um, and what works for future generations yeah that's how rules are made that point is so valid that something has to give and i'll give you an example some people might think well i know i'm i'm giving all the due rights to my kids well then maybe your relationship with your partner is affected that's it so it's just what is giving yep. and you have to be honest when you look at the situation exactly Exactly. Yeah. That that's my point that we sometimes to ease our own guilt and to ease our own consciences. We say, well, I have given all the provisions. But yeah. this goes back to the conversation we had earlier. Provisions is good to give, but there needs to be upbringing, ethics, morals and values that go with it. And that is what's given when you just focus on the provision. But this is the, this is where the fine balance is as well. Islam doesn't just highlight these roles 
and just give the dad a free pass. That you know, it's just oh. the, it's just the mum's role now to do the upbringing. You go work and provide, and when you come home, put your feet up and rest. No, not at all. Even in, but I think see, I I think that's stereotyping. It, no, but that's what I'm saying. People could come, could feel that in the sense that if you're saying if you're applying roles, mm. <clears throat> that her role, <clears throat> the mother's role is to be the homemaker, mm. and father's role is to be the breadwinner. Mm. Then that's their role. Do that. Yes, but, but no, what, but of course. There's there will always be overlapping, which is what I'm saying, which is goes back to I agree with what you're saying that sometimes there are scenarios where you have to have two incomes, so there will be overlapping of roles. But people don't sit and calculate. Yep. What's going to give? Yep. You're right. Because people don't talk, people don't write things down, people make assumptions based on what they have seen on social media or so-and-so star or so-and-so member of the family or so-and-so. Yeah. Or they are so driven by their passion of what they want to do, they want to achieve, and their definition of success in life that they're willing to compromise anything. And nine times out of ten, they get to a point in certain time in their life at a certain age where they look back and they think, and again, this is a personal opinion, but I've seen it in my lifetime, where I know people who've done that, and they said, I wish I had. Yeah. <clears throat> I wish I had thought it through a bit more. Yeah. Because they see their children either distancing themselves from their parent or following the same line that they did. Yeah. Because they saw their parents do what they're doing now. I think you know what's key is regardless of whether you felt you've had a strict upbringing a lenient upbringing whatever it is you have to look at the good in something so for example if you've had a strict upbringing you might think that the natural kind of knee jerk reaction is I'm not going to be like that with my kids yeah 100% I, I was like that yeah so that's I, the, I, I was yeah, like, that, I, I, I'm, you know I could, if I was to give myself an example I always said to my parents, I said, thank God you taught me Salat. And you yeah. went through the formalities of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, again, the subcontinental thing. You taught me that, you know, you, you make sure you, you finish the Holy Quran. Again, it's a competition. You must do it before the age of five or six or otherwise you're, you know, you're, you're a failure and whatnot. And, and you must know Salat and you know your translations and you know, you know, the last 20 odd uh, parts of the Holy Quran and, and whatnot. Those are the musts. But then I, I look at back and I think I, th I think I look at the beauty of, of uh, the Amdi Muslim community if I was to look at it from a, a community perspective that I grew up at the time of the fourth caliph of the promised Messiah His Holiness Azim Azat Ahram and may Allah have mercy on his soul. Isl to, to Islam as a way of life is what he taught me. What he taught us. We knew, we, we were given the tools and the techniques and the provisions. But to apply, apply it to life, we, it was given by him. It was taught by him. Which, this is why I say people of my generation who had the experience of teachings of the fourth caliph, because we were present at that time, they should know better than the, the, the people who came from before. 
because they didn't have as close link and relationship with Caliphate than we had. Hmm. They can't say we didn't know because it was given to us on the palm of our hands, even now, with His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Musaram, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand. He's, he is at the, at the palm of your hand. You can bring him up there and now in the virtual meetings he has with people from all around the world. He talks about parenting. He talks about exactly what we are talking about, the roles of the defined roles of motherhood, fatherhood. He's not saying don't work. He's saying, look, there are certain professions, there are certain times you have to. But it's about need having the need or the or knowing that we need to follow that. If you truly want to be successful in developing a link with God Almighty. And in fact, before then, to understand that it is important that we must develop a link with God Almighty. Forget about how to develop it. The need for it is more important. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um... and that, and and we tend to separate religion when it comes to parenting, and that's where problems lie. Because by the time we introduce religion as a way of life into the parent into the child's life, sometimes it's too late. Yeah, it's too late sometimes, and hence why it's got to be there from the onset, before birth. Parenting st- parenting starts before birth, not when the child is born, and then when you do the. You know, um, um, you do the call of prayer in one ear, and then then you do the takbir in the in the other ear, and the ikama and everything. You know, it, it's that's that's secondary process. The process of talking to your child and your child listening to the recitation of the Holy Quran and what you eat and how you do things that starts before parenthood. And I've actually experienced that in my lifetime. My eldest is thirty. My eldest is autistic. She has disabilities, and she uh, um, she's non-verbal okay sorry what does that mean not doesn't speak okay. communication but well well my wife was expecting our first child MTA was starting at that time and I used to work in MTA um, in the in early 90s and forever in the car, in the, on the on the on. on music was the music that, or we call it music, but it was the the theme, melody. the theme, the melody of MTA, um, and and there was a certain call of prayer, and there was, and the 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 and because of learning disabilities, there was uh, she only understands so many things. Yet today, if my daughter has a episode be it epileptic, be it uh, because of autism and because of learning disabilities, the second I put on the melody which she heard when she when she was being carried, uh, which before she was born, she calms down. Wow. You think, okay, coincidence once, twice. Always. The same recitation of the Holy Quran, the same melody that she hears of MTA, Suddenly, she sits there calmly and listens to the sound. Mm. I I have seen that work. 
that a child who normally is not interested in listening, a child who's not who's nonverbal, who um, has trials, has challenges, has tribulations, but the Holy Quran, listening, the recitation of the Holy Quran, and uh, poems, certain poems, and and certain melody. That melody of MTA is like God sent when it comes to my eldest daughter. And people are baffled when they see that suddenly a tantrum turns into peacefulness just from a just from a melody. Wow. So I know not because I've read it, yeah. I've experienced it. Yeah. How <clears throat> a child is learning and absorbing and taking in information while they are developing in mum's womb. Yeah, absolutely. It's um you're right, I feel like in when you or when you're going through pregnancy, you're so kind of overjoyed and happy and excited that you constantly not start planning. Yes. Okay, I need to get this, that, 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 that. And uh, it's almost sometimes, and I felt it as well, sometimes it's like, okay, we'll do, there's certain things we'll do as of when they happen. But you're right, it's like parenting really starts before. I remember the best advice I used to get by, uh, was actually my our principal from in this institute. He said that whilst you haven't had a child, your sole responsibility is to pray for your child. You know, and, you talk and, about preparation. Yeah, yeah. Thought comes to mind. In, you know, in the olden days, you know what preparation was? Who's going to do the call of prayer? Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to do the ikama? Because you wanted... Now, nobody even talks about it. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is, I remember I remember him saying, the when he said it like that, it really made me think. He said that right now, all you can do, like even though you, we weren't expecting, but obviously, when you get married, the first question everyone everyone's mind is, when are you going to have children? Yeah, yeah. So I remember him saying to me, he was like, listen, don't worry about what people think, but... What you do need to do is pray from now mm. um, and do a lot of uh, istighfar, which is where you repent. Yeah. Because parenting really, they say that, and His Holiness has mentioned this as well, that what can make you a true believer is when you become a father or a mother. Because you understand that there will, become, there will come a time in this child's life where you cannot protect it and you cannot oversee it all the time. And you sometimes will be worried that he's gone to school is everything okay like sometimes you see some of these stories and it's horrific like you know you, a, child, a parent sends their child to school it's a safe place and then something happens at school mm. whether it's an accident and a, an incident whatever happens and it makes you every parent in the world think yeah it puts oh the fear God. of God in you yeah so it's like and that I, I learned very early on that actually the best preparation I could do is one again strengthen your relationship with God understand that you are only control of your actions but to develop um, uh, develop our patience steadfastness these qualities that help you become a better believer because sometimes the biggest trial the biggest trial we have is um, losing our kind of patience when it comes to something not working mm. and I think it's again what you said Again, it's what you said. Is um, you can't. And I read this in in the in the 
preparation for the show, I was just going online. And I googled, of course, like parenting, <laughs> like different articles. Yeah. And the one article that hit me the most was the best advice I can give you for parenting, or the best parenting tip is there is no advice. What mm. uh, <laughs> continues to realize is that you can't paint each child with the same brush. He goes, every child is different, mm. but it's you have to be ready to deal with whatever presents itself. Mm. And I think where you have an expectation beforehand that it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that, and it doesn't, that can sometimes break you. But if you know that, okay, look, I can't compare my child with anyone, I can't compare myself with anyone, that, okay, so many other people are doing it, why why am I unable to do it? You, you see, that, that I, I think it, it you just hit on two things that uh, it, it uh, again put a thought in my head. You said earlier that as soon as you get married, that uh, um, you know people started asking when you're going to have children. Yeah, and I think there's again that's a failure of a parent for for them to uh, they they automatically expect and they start questioning and they start um, putting pressure on their children. Oh, when are you going to be parents? When are you going to be parents? Yep. <clears throat> I think that's a lot of parents need to. Um, what's the word? What's the polite way of saying this? Back off. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of parents need to back off from their kids <clears throat> to say, look, they also know that if they're old enough to make a decision that they want to get married, then they're old enough to know that, of course, they also themselves know that they've got to have children. But then again, the reason I thought it, it came to mind is because what you said earlier, that everyone is different. But when parents say, well, so-and-so got married, so-and-so got married, and uh, they're having children, yeah. and they're having children, and they leave the kids alone. No, but do you know what it is? Again, this is all based on perspective. No, but I tell you it's, why it's, it's more than perspective because it happens. No, it happens. But I'm saying, for example, let's just say it took me seven, eight years to have a child. Okay. So naturally, the feeling I have, and there could be others who had a child within a year of marriage. Mm. So the feeling I'm going to have is, or the feeling I do have, listen, children is a blessing from God. Mm. No matter how much you plan, no matter how much you want something, mm. it's going to happen when God wants it to happen. So my advice will always be, one, don't ever plan with the fear of we can't afford it. That's oh, what the, yes, that's what the 100%. Says, right? 100%. Yes, I that should never be in your mind. But right. two, also know, because I, I've, I've learned through my experiences, that when it comes to kids, you can plan all you want. So man plans, God plans, God is the best of planners. So that is always the advice I will give to someone. See, I but, look at it again. But I'm not shoving it down their yeah. throat yeah. that no, no. you have to start trying now. No. I'm just saying, look, this is what I experienced and this is what I've learned. I'm just sharing that knowledge with you. But, but again, I look at it from a rational, logical point of view. I think I, I always find it strange when they say, I can't afford to have a child. And you think, well, hold on. You have 14 uncles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have 14 uncles and aunts. And then your grandparents didn't have like 10% of what you have. Yep. They never thought about whether I can afford it or not. If mm -hmm. one was to look back in our grandparents or grandparents, brothers and sisters, like kids are like, oh, how many brothers and sisters did you have? I had nine. I had 14. I had 15. I'm like, 
man, what's going on here? Yeah. Do you see me? Yeah. They're coming from backgrounds where money wasn't running your life. There was that belief in God. And then again, if you think, well, hold on, most of the kids where people are born are in third world countries or poor countries, yet they survive yeah. because God gives. Yeah. It is God who provides, not you as an individual. What you should say is, it's not that you can't afford to have a child. What you mean is, you're not, and I'm sorry to say, this is going to sound really harsh. You're not willing to make the sacrifice that is needed. Oh, you sound like a proper dad. <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly who we've been telling. <laughs> you literally just highlighted. No, no, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Your definition of a younger generation's uh, um, n- definition of the word sacrifice Yeah. And the sacrifice for what it is are two different things. Look, if I have £10, and I have, what I do is I cost everything I need, and that comes to £9, and I have £1 left. And I say, you know what, I'm going to make the sacrifice of giving that £1 away to charity. That's not a sacrifice. You're giving away extra money that you have. It's charity. I'm not taking away the fact that it's charity. But if you have... £10, and then you think, well, I need 9 And then you say, well, you know what? I'm going to give up something in part of my life, um, and I'm going to kind of use 7 and I'm going to... Give 3. Give 3. That's a sacrifice. But that's a point we'll come back to later on. Right. Let's go. We have a caller with us um, uh, from uh, the Amdi Muslim community. I understand uh, we have a caller from the Cheem uh, sector of uh, the Amdi Muslim community. Good morning, welcome, assalamualaikum, and peace be on you. Um, may I ask who we are talking to? Assalamualaikum, uh, uh, my name is Atiyah. Assalamualaikum, peace be on you, Atiyah. Thank you for taking time out and calling the Saturday Morning Live Show. Um, what would you like to say? Well, f- firstly, it's, it's a fantastic show. I've enjoyed everything you're discussing this morning and really grateful for the uh, the conversation and the topic of conversation. Um I am probably in the age category of Brother Gayoum, I believe. <laughs> uh, I, I've tried to calculate it, and I, I think I'm probably I'm fif- nearer his I'm age. I'm 53. I can assure you nobody's <laughs> in my age category in this, in this place. Uh, I can assure you I'm probably not too far away okay. from you. However, however, I was blessed with a child later in life, and so I am a mother of a 12-year-old. Um, and I don't know if age is a factor, but uh, being an older mother, um, life experiences perhaps, um, it kind of has instilled certain things within me to be a certain way with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, so firstly, I'm a mother. Secondly, I'm also a lecturer in further and higher education. So I am amongst teenagers a lot as well. So um, it's quite nice to get kind of two perspectives and what you take from work, you bring to home and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but one of the key things that I uh, kind of do with my daughter is uh, spending time, as you, you mentioned, being their friend. Yes. And, of course, this is mentioned many a time that we need to first and foremost be their friend. Uh, and one of the things that I try to do with my daughter a lot is leisure activities. I'm a real believer in being in the outdoors. My background is in sports as well. Fantastic. So we spend a lot of time outdoors. We have leisure activities together. We go, you know, we try to do swimming together, walking together, hiking. All these activities 
Um, and in doing these activities, you naturally have conversation. And then conversation comes about naturally in that, you know, your child might bring up something that they may not otherwise bring up at home if they're glued in front of a, a device or, you know, watching TV or w- focusing on the TV rather than on each other. So what I find often is from doing le- leisure activities together, conversations flow and then the topics arise and then we have great conversations about these uh, current affairs, things that might be troubling my daughter that she may not otherwise mention, but it may just come through in, in a sideline way. Um, so, so Sophia, you, you, I think you raised such a fantastic point here that there should not be anything which, is, which a child should not be able to discuss with a parent. Absolutely. Because I yeah, think absolutely. that's where sometimes kids think, can I discuss this with my parents? And one of the first things I, I said to Liana, I might be going to the Voice of Islam. Could could you summarise for me what you think? Am I quite, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet here. I'm by no means perfect parent at all. But what quality would you say that is probably the best quality in me? And one of the things she said, and I don't think this is always true, believe me, um, is, Mum, you're a good listener, um, which is lovely to hear. Um, the honest, you give fair and honest advice when you do give it. It tends to be fair. It may not always be right, and I may not always agree with you, but it seems to be fair. But so then because you're a lecturer, because that's because, but then you see, you've, you've learned the art of communication because right. of your profession as well. Right. And this is why I mentioned it right at the beginning that perhaps, one, being an older parent, but two, also, my profession, I can bring certain things from work to home and vice versa. I do the same. I take my beliefs to work as well. Um, so absolutely, uh, in terms of uh, being open, being fair, listening to, I, I, and I apply this to my students as well, that I have to be fair. And I have students say to me, but you listen and the other one's not, the other lecturer's not listening to us. And, you know, you tend to be more honest in what you're saying. So I think this, Children pick up on this immediately. My students pick up on a good teacher. They will say, you know, oh, that teacher doesn't really care. That lecturer has no genuine interest in us. So they're very intuitive. And as you said, I think you mentioned your daughter when yes. you put on uh, the M- MTA. MTA Melody, yes. Um, absolutely. They're so intuitive. They are observing every single thing from birth. Yes. For the yes. minute that absolutely. So everything they're watching us, they're watching us all the time. And if, if adults and I, I'm slightly technophobe, I have to admit. Hmm. Um, we all are. Adults are <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's an age thing, but if we are sitting there on our devices, we have actually no argument to ask them to get off their devices. Yes. Agreed. hundred so, percent. And a, a rule of thumb for me is I come home my mobile phone and my work phone out of sight away yeah. they, they don't even and in fact my husband jokes me often if there's ever an emergency you're the last person i'm going to call because you never <laughs> answer your phone <laughs> so uh, we have to lead by example and if we're you know not showing patience and not listening then why should they then reciprocate this yeah. and it comes down to respect as you mentioned earlier as well there's levels of respect yes Yes. So, so I've got um, two two questions and you can answer them if you're comfortable. Um, first sure. one is from a mother's point of view, as you mentioned, 
your child says that you're a good listener, you're always willing to listen, you'll be honest with them. But from your point of view, is there any fear of them actually going through some sort of trial or tribulation where you feel that, you know, because often, like I mentioned before as well, sometimes like becoming a parent can make you a real believer because there comes a time where you can't always oversee them, you can't always protect them. But I guess you have that relationship with your daughter where you know she'll always open up to you. How do you manage that kind of feeling of a bit of fear of them going through some sort of difficulty? I pray. <laughs> first and foremost, I pray. That's the first thing I do. Um, but if I, I, if I may, if I may, sure. um, to answer the question from my perspective, I would say I don't think of the fear. It's not no, the first. I, I, it's not the first thought that comes to mind. I think that's no, a generational thing. I think so. it, it, it will be a challenge as we we have trials and tribulations. They're yeah. here to test us, and how it, it, it's how we deal with it is the key for me, rather than panic. Yeah. Um, and uh, be impulsive, just to take time to process that inf- to process that information first and foremost. Really think it through. Um, and then just try to approach it the fairest way. Um, that's the way I would approach any issues that she may be having. And then also, I'm very honest that actually, I don't know. I could, I'm quite happy to say to my daughter, I don't mm. know. However, yeah. I will find out. Yeah. And she'll ask many questions of whether it's you know religion related. I, I don't know. Let's go on to Islam. Let's have a look. Yeah. Let's. Let's research it together. I don't know everything. And I'm never afraid to say that to her. Yeah. That I won't get everything right. Yeah. However, together, we can work through it and we can navigate this issue that you're having together. That's brilliant. Well, um, that's my, my second question, again, if you feel comfortable, you can. If not, you don't have to. But in terms of the balance of father and mother, you mentioned your husband as well. How yep. is the daughter same with the husband that she she can say whatever she wants, or do you feel that because you invest more time, or how how does that balance work? Yes, that's a very good question. He actually has spent a lot of time with her during our uh, her childhood. That's just the way it worked out. Mm. So he was around her an awful lot, and as a result of that, uh, he's extremely hands on. Um, she has a very open relationship with dad, and dad promotes an open relationship with her as well. So. Um, it, it's a very balanced relationship, actually, and um, that she seems to have both of our uh, attention equally um, most of the time. Um, but she, she feels that she can go to him quite openly about things as well. So that's his doing. He's, he's looked to have that relationship with her. If, if I may, um, when you say that, is that, do you think that's a challenge for you as a mother? What, for him to have an open relationship with her? That she's able to go to him uh, um, and, 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 and kind of look to him as a friend and say, and I can speak anything with my father. Yeah. Um, that's, it's, that's it's good with me. Yep. Um, it's, it's fine with me. Uh, obviously, there are some things she's going to come to mum for, and there are, then there are some things she'll go to dad for. So... Um, to me, that's that's healthy because yep, she's definitely, um, definitely. you know she's got she feels she can approach dad with most 
conversations and just... The, no, the reason I asked you that question is because yeah. sometimes culturally or because of society, we tend to put walls up and say, well, yeah. you can't talk to your dad about this. You can't talk to your mum about this. And then it creates a division, whereas that partnership should always yeah. be open uh, and doors need to be open all the time on both parents. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I completely agree. I mean, her, uh, her father is a convert to Islam, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if that's relevant in, in the I fact I think it's relevant because he'd open, be a lot more open-minded. Open, exactly, and he is open-minded. Yeah. Um, to the point where my, sometimes my daughter said, Dad, I don't really want to talk to you about this. You know, mm-hmm. can we leave it? You know, so in that way, he's quite, he's open. Awesome. Um, so it hasn't put up any, any barriers, but knows when to step back and not kind of, you know, you have the term helicopter parent. Yes. They're kind of constantly hovering, hovering around. Yes, yes, so, yes. And, and knowing when to kind of back off as well. So, Brilliant. like I say, it's, by no means we have it perfect, but uh, it, it's very much taking the middle road and not being extreme in, in any one thing. Um, and that goes with, um, you know, religion-based things as well. You've, you've got to take the middle road. Yes, of course, I think Brother you mentioned earlier that you know, you, you've got to do your salat, you've got to finish the Quran, you've got to know yes. your certain chapters of the Quran as well. Of course. Uh, of course. All this has been embedded. Yes. Um, and but it's the application. Paramount. It's the application that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It absolutely is. And it's consistently keeping this going, not now saying, well, you've learned the Quran, you now don't need to recite it, or exactly. you know you're in the Mars, you can go off and do it yourself. No, yes. we'll read it, we'll offer it together. That's it. Um, that's it. So... It is very much taking the middle of the road, but then saying, right, you've done this. Now you can have, you, you you can now let's do leisure activities. Let's do things that you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's fantastic. About. It's it's about yeah. making sure everything is accessible. Yes. That, yes. You know, not to yeah. not to limit your child because of. Yeah. I, I sometimes think parents limit their child um, from activities and things because of their own insecurities. Which, which get taken out on the child. Yes, yeah. And we've got to completely open their mind. That's why I say things yeah. like, for example, if you want to learn an instrument, learn an instrument. There's nothing you can't try. Yeah. You've got to have, if you want to have a go, have a go. You may not like it. You don't have to go back to it. Mm-hmm. But at least try it. And don't let, build, don't build these barriers up. And girls be. traditionally build up barriers to physical activities naturally when they get to a certain age I, 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 shows this. Yeah, I, I agree with um, you there. I remember when my daughter, my second daughter, uh, she did uh, Taekwondo when she was young. Right. And oh, yeah. the amount of, you, that's a boy's thing. I was like, what? She's no, learning no. self-defense. <laughs> She's, exactly, you know, exactly. I, why should I think differently because my daughter is learning self-defense? No, Absolutely. it's girls are not allowed to do this. They shouldn't do this. And I was like, forget it. I, ain't, I don't... That's where I will close my mind to that thought process, because yeah. because then we are limiting our children. Absolutely, and I completely agree with this. And I'm, uh, it's lovely to hear that as well, because I think that needs to be promoted so much more. Um, that yes. girls need to be, and equally, boys doing things that perhaps you know get them in the kitchen, get them putting the washing in the machine, and all these types of things. It's just. It's discipline. No, but thing is, this is discipline because because the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he used to mend his own shoes. 
He was working. He used to help. He used to help at home. <laughs> make his own bed. You know, yeah. make his own bed. These are the small, basic <laughs> things. Right. You know what my mum used to basic. say? Good. So uh, I was a middle child. Okay. And, oh, uh, you've got middle child children. No, I've got middle child children. <laughs> but I was very much so like... Mom, <laughs> so have I. Mum, no, so I, was, I was the type of child, even now, like when yeah. I go home, it's like, mum, can you put in, can you make the plate for me? Uh, mum, can you make tea for me? Yeah. That's my so mom sad. can you iron my clothes? You're saying this on live on And radio. my mum, no, because I, I, I don't know, I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> my mum, bless her, would do it. But I remember my mum always used to say to me, because amongst my siblings, then I was like, oh, this guy's so lazy. Yeah. Uh, my older brother's the like model child. He does everything himself, and my all, sister all, does everything. All elders are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mum always used to say to me, don't worry, Beta, when, when he gets married, he'll sort himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I still remember. No. No. <laughs> when I got married, huh? Is that yeah? I'll probably start doing these things myself. If not, then you get told. Can no, no, you do it yourself. Yeah. What are you talk about? And then yeah, yeah I'll do everything myself. Sister Atia, um, thank you so much for taking time out for You're us uh, for the thank for the show you. this morning. I wish you luck. Uh, may God reward all your efforts. Um, uh, our regards and our love for to your daughter. Um, um, and uh, have a fantastic day. Peace be with you. We've got a caller. Well, see, it's it's all this this words of wisdom that you're throwing out to the people, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Imam. People you, relating to you. <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think this is something everyone will, goes through. You know, yes, it's. No, um, no. I mean, I mean, of course, the, not the younger generation yet, but they will go through it. No, or but you see, this point, this point, it. sister, that I made. I and I, I want to. I agree with her so wholeheartedly. This notion that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go to mum and dad's yeah. and, and I'll decide, to, I'll, oh, I'll do washing. Mum will go crazy. No, 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 you can't do this. this yeah. is, da, da. I'm like, mum, chill. Mm. Because this mindset that boys are supposed to do so and girls are supposed to do so, that's, they might be fantastic from a cultural perspective. Islamically, that's a no-no. Mm. To, 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 you know, Islam doesn't say, uh, and, and this is where mis Islam is misrepresented. Islam is, uh, you know, what, it, nowhere does it say that w girls are supposed to be in the kitchen and, and boys are supposed to not be in the kitchen and boys aren't, uh, you know, can't cook or clean and this and that and the other. That's such an utter nonsense. Yep. And my my anger and my frustration always gets there that, we mix culture, tradition, customs, and we wrap it all up and call it a religion. Yep. And that's a disservice to Islam. That's a huge disservice to Islam. And this is where parenting is so important when it comes to living life, living Islam as a way of life. Yep. We always talk about Islam, Italy, God Almighty, and the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who was an embodiment of the Holy Quran. He always talked about men and women being equal in their roles, their defined roles. They, yes, they do have defined roles. But that doesn't mean their roles are so defined that they never should meet. No, there are a lot of roles that overlap. Yeah. Like being the homemaker, you said the definition is so wide. Well, a father is also a homemaker. He can also cook, clean, look after the child. Yeah. But the thing is, again, you know, if you look at both roles, this is what I feel that the pressure of society makes you feel 
that earning is the most important thing. It's not. And it's not. This is what I'm saying. But it's, but, 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 it is it's important. important. No, I'm not saying it's not. Mm. But I'm, like I said, if the last thing I could give to my child was one particular thing, I would give it something that could be everlasting rather than something financial. Mm. Of course, financial things, putting your children in a position where they don't have to go through the struggles you went, mm. in your mind might be the right thing to do, but you fail to realize that those struggles are what made you. Yes. Yeah. So if you give that kind of element of hard work, sacrifice, steadfastness, patience, these are the things I want you to like remember. Mm. And not just remember inculcating these into your lives. But but you see, what I would want today's parent to do is don't define these terms that you've used. Show your children how to apply those in your life, in your everyday living. Yeah. Show what steadfastness is. Show what truthful is. Show the power of being truthful. Yep. One of the biggest challenges of today's parenting is teaching your kids how to be truthful. Yeah. Because it's okay to, in the society we live in, ah, it's only a small lie. It's a white lie. White lie, yeah. Yeah. Parenting is difficult because the pressures of society, th- th- there is a lack of ethics, morals and values in society. But, no. but my generation of parents, you know what they did? They took us out of school of a certain class. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to go to co- uh, uh, um, the social uh, PCHSE or whatever they call it PSHE. nowadays. They, you know, you're not going to go to that class because you're going to be shown this, that, the other, whatever. Today, if you take your child out of the class, they're going to find it on the phone, on social media. They're yeah. going to be talking about it with their peers. It's on TV. It's being spoken about everywhere. No, yeah. parenting is, yes, again, it's more challenging. Prepare your children for the real world. Talk to them. You know what uh, What Sister Thea said is key as well, that you need to know the answers first yourself. Yes, 100%. So it can't be, and I remember, and I read this quote of the Promised Messiah, the founder of them, the Muslim community, that often like why we don't have real love for God and for the prophet and for the book is because we're born into this family and we feel like a, essence of entitlement yes or there's an element of like well okay well now i'm a muslim i'm born into a muslim household yeah it's take it for granted yeah, it's no different than a christian being born into a christian household mm. like you're not that doesn't mean anything mm. but you have to kind of one as a parent understand mm. that okay like for example me and you were both born into muslim households yeah but there, there was a time for me and i'm sure there was for you where i questioned it 100%. Once I questioned it, I found the answers. Once I found the answers, I started practicing it properly. Yep. So now my parents no longer have to tell me the importance of sacrifice or, yeah, they as every now and then remind me, okay, like you, like your parents do. Yeah. Okay, have you prayed? Have you done this? Yes. But I will never, like, I know now that if in the same scenario, like if I didn't see that from my parents or if I don't believe in it wholly myself and I'm just mimicking these, uh, these actions mm. and they, they're meaningless, they're without any sort of wisdom. I don't know the wisdom. Or if I'm like 30 and I still don't know what I'm saying when I stand up for prayer, it's yeah. just some Arabic that I've learned mm. once upon a time, then that rubs off on your child. Every generation takes one less thing away from you, what I've learned. And if i rather it be like a worldly thing than a spiritual thing. And I, and I, think, I think that's such an excellent point about when you talk about age. In the olden days, it was like, do your prayers. Why? Because I say so. Mm. Now, do your prayers. Why? Because this, 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 this. You need 
to yeah. tell why. It's not the child who's being disrespectful who's saying why. Yeah. It is a lack of you being able to explain why and where I, the problem lies. I remember two things I want to mention before and the last things. Mm. I was listening to a question and session of His Holiness the Fourth Caliph where yeah, so where someone yeah. just said to him where you know my our children are asking scary questions yeah and he said well, what makes you say this scary what are the questions yeah. and it was like a normal question and his only said listen you can't label what is the parents on the, yeah, insecurity no, yeah it's basic yeah because the child is innocent yeah. in his asking he's That's observed right. something he's asking or she's asking but you because maybe your lack of understanding makes you feel that that's a dangerous way to think that's right that really stuck with me because i was like if anything we want our children to ask mm. i'd rather them ask me than go out and find their own answers and then be misunderstand something misinterpret something and not really know what our stance is mm. then his holiness the present caliph mentioned to me because i always used to think even as a as an imam i used to think prayer is the answer yeah prayer is the answer like if whatever you're going which it is pray, but he changed my perspective mm. He asked me he goes what do you think the biggest problem our youth are going through? I said a couple of things he said no it's not that. He then said to me it's prayer. Yeah. It is. I said oh no um his holiness I said it's I feel that that's the solution he goes no no that's the problem. That they're not doing it. Exactly. It <laughs> opened it opened my eyes to a yeah. whole different viewpoint because yeah. up until then I was like oh yeah if you're going through this difficult just pray it'll be okay. Yeah. When actually now the selling point is listen you're going through this because you're not praying because actually prayer is defined as a shield for us. Yes. We pray five times a day because actually imagine you cleanse yourself five times a day there's no way that at the end of the day you're dirty. That's right. So spiritually if you're cleansing five times a day and your shield is you're topping it up you're kind of uh, securing it five times a day there's no way that that shield drops. Mm. And we don't live our lives blindfolded. blindfolded. We yeah. see everything that's happening around us and we see in the society things that you know from a young age we might not understand the wisdom but we go to school and see okay our friends are eating this we're not allowed to eat it our friends are having certain they're allowed to go to certain parties they're allowed to have certain relationships we're not allowed to have them at that time all we know is we're not allowed so if that shield which again from a year as a muslims we're instructed encourage your children from the age of 7 7 yes. think about it now even now like and you know there might there was a time where people used to think oh 7 is really young No but, but but with the advancement in technology yeah. and science seven is the best proven thing. yeah it's the proven never there went to that, my that yeah. you know something that the holy prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him what he said 1400 years ago is what i'm saying is seven's is, not young at all the other day i went to my niece's house she's two years old she figured out how to like unlock the phone and do the listen i was so, this i was watching this tv of a two year old chinese kid yeah. yeah on tv he knew all the, he knew the capital cut he knew the capitals Mm-hmm. He was speaking at two. He would knew the capitals of they showed him the world map and he pointed to us countries and he talked about well he spoke oh capital mm-hmm. of the Look your your child's brain is like you said it earlier sponge, sponge. Yeah. it so, will absorb what you put in it So that that's the last kind of my last thing I want to say today is the best form of parenting before like you said it starts before birth Yes but even then like before you start focusing on the upbringing of another human being First make sure you're in the right place because yes. the worst thing to be is a hypocrite. Yep. So you need to make sure that and again you could be listening to this you might not be a muslim and this advice is the same. Yes. That regardless of what faith you belong to 
there's no hypocrisy in parenting because children will suss you out straight away. Yes. That, hold on, you tell me not to use foul language, but you're abusing mum. Mm. Why yes. shouldn't I use my language? Yeah. yeah. Or you're you're telling me not to lie, but you're, you're lying about whatever your circumstances are. Mm. So, but from a Muslim point of view, it's deeper because like I said, ultimately, being a parent makes you a believer because you know there comes a time in this child's life you cannot protect it. So, prayer, yourself inculcate that into your life, know the wisdom of it, know the blessings of it, know the value of it, and pass that on to the next generation. That this one particular practice, if the, if it's done properly, will kind of be like a river that flows into everything else. Everything else would streamline in the way that you want it. Actually, not even the way that you want it, the way that God, God hands it to, be. it to be. And know that you you plan and God plan, God's the best of planners. Mm. But if you do this one particular action, it would lead you to the right path. Without a shadow of doubt. God willing, God willing. Um, final thoughts from me, simple. There is no time stamp on when parenting st- parenting stops or when it begins. It begins before the child is born and it never stops. In fact, it stops when the parent is no longer in this world. Be nice to your parents. Understand your parents from their perspective. But then my advice to parents, especially of my age, is listen. Listen to what Sister Atiyah said. She listens. Listen to your child. And for God's sake, stop being judgmental to young children. It is easy to say, why did you do this? Don't say why. Say, how can I help? Open your ears to, and listen and identify. Sometimes, you know, kids, you you need to... to to feel that there is a problem so be a listener the art of communication is listening our guest caller demonstrated that as well um, and and you know if if one was to look at it from a broad perspective from a worldly perspective that's what always said people say the art of communication is listening um, talk about God and when I say talk about God because Islam is in everything, God is in everything. From the second we open our eyes, from the time we close our eyes at evening, God, make sure God is mentioned in everything we do. With that, I just want to thank uh, Brother Usman for taking time out and joining me today uh, on Saturday morning. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you to our guest for calling in. Um, uh, thank you to uh, Brother Armagan in, uh, in in tech, who without who we wouldn't be on air. Uh, thank you to our production team, my researchers, who today were me. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank, you, thank you to you for listening. Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Please remember us in your prayers.